Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 4Jack Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Graham McEwen graduate and former CPGA professional Tanner Whitten. Tanner was a club pro in Fort Nelson, BC, who moved into oil and gas after his career in golf. A few years ago, Tanner was diagnosed with a rare spinal cancer, which left him paralyzed from the ribs down. Tanner describes his journey through the whole process and how his life has changed afterwards. Tanner has been such an inspirational individual who is still trying to play golf and is working on finding the funds for a stand-up car to play golf in. This was an amazing story that will leave you feeling very grateful for everything we take for granted. Make sure to check out BeTheLove.ca, the charity that Tanner has been working with. It's a great cause that we should all be getting involved with. So everyone sit back and enjoy the episode. Cheers. Welcome back to the 4Jack Podcast, brought to you by Jackson Labs. We're back here today with a very special guest, but before we get to that, we're just going to go around and say hello to the boys on this beautiful Monday afternoon, Monday evening, whatever it might be, stuck inside, not enjoying the heat, but that's fine because I was sweating my bag off all day. So, But before we talk about any more of my sweating habits, we'll talk to Parksy first. What's up, dude? Gentlemen, what's happening? Pretty excited to be on the pod tonight. Uh, this this story touches home for me a little bit. Met this guy on Christian Mingle years ago and uh, had a couple dates and uh, didn't hear from him after that. So feel um, a little feel a little robbed, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna reconnect and see if we can rekindle the romantic relationship here. Definitely, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Tombo, what's happening? Uh, not too much, bud. Uh, yeah, just a beautiful day out there today. It's. Uh hottest balls here in Edmonton and if you don't mind me saying the humidity is up and she's blazing but uh yeah I'm excited to get into this just on the the preliminary discussions before the pod we already were diving into some deep stuff that I like and yeah just excited to have Tanner on the pod awesome but I'm not going to do the introduction today actually Parksy is going to do the introduction for a person that's very special (laughs) to him so we're just going to hand it over well, to uh, Chris. This this gentleman doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, former stud hockey player, professional golfer. I had the pleasure of going to college with this gentleman. Uh, he endured some interesting challenges in his life and has rebounded accordingly and is sort of uh, a voice now for paragolfers and people, people that experience cancer and go through different challenges in life. He's a real advocate for moving forward and being positive and, and really trying to, to fight for what you, uh, what you feel that you, you deserve and, and give yourself another chance and be positive. So really a pleasure to have Tanner Witten, a good friend on the show tonight. Tanner, what's up, bud? Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Um, like Parks, he said, uh, got a little bit confused on the Christmas introduction, but uh, <laughs> it was another we'll Tanner. Argue that one. He's had a lot of years to try to figure that one out, but uh, – <laughs> you know, I um, we met back in college, back in 2003, 2004. I think I used to take a few skins off them back in the day. I'm pretty sure you might tell you differently. But, uh, yeah, so my uh, name's Tanner Whitten. I'm um, born and raised in Fort Nelson, B.C. Uh, that's where I currently reside. I uh, 
I grew up. Uh, I grew up like any honest northern guy, uh, playing hockey and playing sports, and uh, and uh, and definitely uh, playing lots of golf. You know, I've got uh, got a lot of fond memories of growing up. And uh, this house, actually, I think I got an old picture here somewhere. But my my grandma, who used to own this house, she took me out um, the first time ever. I got it. I think I was about four years old, and you see me lined up on the. On the tee of uh, number one at our local golf course here. So, yeah, it's um, you know that's uh, that's a little bit of my start. I uh, went to school um, to be a teaching pro. I started in uh, 2003. It's a bit vague now, but 03 I went down to Victoria, Camosun College. I did my first year down there. Hated the weather. Absolutely hated. Talk about soaked rain. I'll take 40 below over that rain any day. You know, we played golf and some, you know, I'm pretty tough in terms of cold and shit, but just soaked and shitty and it's gloomy, you know, all winter long. So I I skipped out of there. Um, also got caught cheating on one assignment. So the dean had a fucking slap <laughs> the old wrist. I didn't, tell, I didn't tell this story very many times, man, because this was a. I was so I was behind on a, I was behind on getting an assignment done. I had this buddy named Caleb. Always had his assignments from home. So I said, Hey man, can I borrow that? I'll just take a peek. I won't use much of it, right? I'll I will plagiarize it. Well fuck. If I didn't copy paste the whole thing <laughs> pretty much verbatim. I was in a hurry. I had a bad wine hangover anyway. A couple of days later, fucking Dean fucking tight pants calls me in and says, uh, Hey, you and Dale come in. Anyway, I owned up to it. Said, yeah, it wasn't his fault. It was mine. And then he said, you're going to get an asterisk. And I said on my record and I said, how do I get rid of that? He said, you'd have to transfer schools. I said, Grant McEwen, fuck, here I come. <laughs> See, wow. uh, so it was just by fate. We met Parksy. I mean, we, uh, I think it caught in a fucking college scandal to also make my way there. So, that's too funny. Well, I mean, luckily for you, I, that's probably not the most uncommon thing in the golf program world. You know, we're not exactly students. Yeah. Dude, I don't think anybody would have made it through that program without a little help on the side, a little assignment, a little this, a little that. They're your playing yeah, partners. They're there to help. It sounds like delegation yeah. to me, and that's a sign of a good manager. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, no, it was... Uh... It was quite. It was quite the uh, that 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 was quite the experience. I learned learned a few things and uh, yeah, smartened it up there when I went to school. And I just finished up the. I did the two year program. Uh, kind of shifted it over to a business diploma. Um, you know, I I realized how tight it was for you know golf professional golfers in northern Canada in the window of trying to make money in that in that atmosphere. And I knew especially um, coming home. Here to Fort Nelson, the four and a half months of golf, right? You have to have a real, realistic look at what to do on the other seven or eight months of that side of things. So, um, plus, I didn't think I could shoot 75, 75 <laughs> in the net around that time. I wasn't playing a whole bunch. I think that's what it was 150 or something. What you guys got to shoot around there, Parsi? Yep. So, uh, but for the most part, you know, I gained a lot of valuable experience. Even having a, a two-year business diploma put me 
you know, my resume over and above some people that I was trying to get in with. I ended up having a uh, pretty successful business business career. I've been in management for 12 years, uh, most of it in the oil and gas industry, and then uh, transferred over to uh, after I was uh, it slowed down here in 2015, and then uh, I got moved over to uh, a job down in Vancouver, and then the general manager of the golf course up here came open, and I applied for that, and uh, I was the general manager there for 2016 and 20. 17 so just about two years and that was right when i was uh going through all my you know cancer diagnosis and injury but i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later Mm -hmm. before we do get into that which yep we need to spend a lot of time because it sounds like you're doing some pretty cool stuff in that world too um yeah what's the golf culture like up in fort i've never been there I know it's far north but what yeah what's the golf culture like up there is a pretty strong community of golfers and yeah, it it was stronger in the past, you know, but it was it's a golf and country club. There's a there's a weekly steak fry on Friday nights, which uh, which hosts, um, you know, sometimes 70, 70 to 80 people. Uh, actually, some relatives of mine, uh, the streepers, they've been running it for Terry and Debbie ran it for about five years, 30 years. And um my cousin Bud probably was the best golfer to come out of here. He played for Team Canada, Junior, Scotland, uh, went down to the States to play golf. So oh. I uh, got a lot of inspiration and, and playing competitiveness from him from kicking my ass all the time. So he was about a scratch, and I would, you know, I would be facing an eight handicap for most times if I could grind that out. But, uh, you know, they also let me hang around the golf course all the time. I was young, hanging around, and Terry uh, – Terry was a pretty good uh, businessman and entrepreneur himself, so I learned a few things there. And uh, even even in high school, I worked uh, I worked a couple summers out there uh, in the pro shop and learning that side of things from uh, you know pro shop. And it's interesting about you know, thing about golf. You, uh, you're in all sides of it: uh, turf grass. You got to deal with pro shop. You got to deal with uh, F and B and that's a that's a multifaceted person when you gotta you know deal with all those aspects even on a smaller scale. But we've had we have a nice nine hole challenging golf course, uh, par thirty five. Um, you won't you won't get a flat lie pretty much anywhere on that golf course. <laughs> um, makes it difficult. I mean, seven of the nine um, greens are elevated, so you're not you're not even looking at the quarter. Sometimes half the pin. Mm. And uh, some challenging multi-tier tier greens, and uh, yeah, I, would, I, I like to see almost anybody jump on that course and see how they can do with it because uh, it's one of those ones you got to play a few times. You can't just play it blind; it'll, it'll beat you up. A lot of bush, um, thick, dead, anything left or right, dead all the time. You know, or you're you're trying to you're trying to just ch- to chip out to survive. So, um, yeah, fun course. I'll be honest. That sounds like a challenge. I like it. I think uh, I think the boys need to get up there and see what we can do. How far is it from yeah. Edmonton? It's too bad because uh, maybe for next year. But I, I'm actually part of. Uh, you see in the corner up over here. That was my. That's my late buddy Tyler Stranahan. He passed away in a in a head-on um, um, accident in 2012. So since then we've done a Tyler Stranahan Memorial Golf Tournament. 
Um, again, all the money would go to Be the Love, which is a uh, it's a foundation that my other cousin Katie runs in Uganda, and uh, it's an orphanage that she's uh, been a part of and for about the last ten years now. So we do it every year, and we uh, we raise about seven eight thousand dollars in most years to uh, to put towards that. So it's one of the biggest fundraisers. We're doing it this Saturday, actually. Um, whole different scene with the covid though you know it's going to be a lot tougher to make money we can only have a limited number of people coming in and going so it's instead of having the big dinner and fundraiser we got to kind of stagger them and try to get 88 golfers in to, to you know work through so it's tough you know it's it's going to be hard for any kind of uh organization to raise money in this time so we're just going to go for it usually we ask people for donations and, and whatnot but uh but yeah it's good golf course we get people coming out supporting that kind of stuff so it's That's a great good. community for that i find it funny that you say like how much you learned in that time like being in that small town and it's not just you're working in the pro shop like my like i worked in the golf industry for you know close to 10 years and then my mom actually took over as the general manager at a small town nine just outside of edmonton here and same thing like she learned everything and i talked to her and she ends up knowing way more than I do about the entire golf facility. And I'm like, Jesus, like two years and you know everything that there is to know. But that is part of the small town vibe, I guess, really. Yeah. Well, we had Natasha on from TSN and it's kind of that idea of where she's like, you go work in a small town. Like you don't have a video production team. Like you have to learn and get involved yourself. So it's a great opportunity to kind of like actually learn how the whole machine works. Yeah, and no better way to get it get involved in management or in into business than uh, you know you can go to school for as long as you want, but until you have your first employee to tell you go fuck yourself right in front of your face, then then, then, then you're gonna learn real quick what HR and management all come to, right? Totally, hundred so, um, percent. You don't have a lot of options for staffing up that way either. I mean, Fort Nelson's about two days by canoe from Vancouver, right? So yeah, it's way up there. Wait, but. Two two days by automobile, man. Not like <laughs> you have to be paddling upstream. So it's a, it's a long ways. Yeah, we're uh, so I'm I'm nine hours out to Edmonton, and we're also about nine hours to get us to the border of Alaska. So we are yeah, we're up in the very top northeast corner. Wow, I'd actually like to come check that out. I think that would be an insane. Yeah, the invite. I got a I got a big house. The boys can come up, and we can. Uh, we can get the golf course going and go play a bunch of golf. And uh, there's actually some fun tracks you guys could play on the way up to. Like when we, when I've gotten out of town to play, it was so challenging. We go play like Lone Wolf. There's Lone Wolf in Fort St. John, and there and it's a big, uh, wide open kind of field. You know, grass, tall grass and windy, very challenging, longer course. And then there's Lake Point in uh, Fort St. John as well. I worked there in 2003. I I think after the year I went to uh, went to Edmonton, and that's when uh, they hosted the BC Amateur, and I I Monday qualified for the for the BC Amateur, so that was a that was a pretty good uh, feat there. That's so, cool. Yeah. So you you actually after golf or during golf, you got into hunting pretty big, and you got into taxidermy as well. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Before we do that, I just like I want to. Since we're on Fort Nelson topic, I just have two questions. How bad, like, are the mosquitoes like birds up there that suck the blood <laughs> out of your head? And B, 
how much daylight are you dealing with right now? Carrying away, carrying away small children. Yeah. So, mosquitoes are. So yeah, we do we do get mosquitoes pretty bad, but it's not uh, it's not unbelievable. You know, they you just gotta move a little quicker. You know, you don't. <laughs> so that's you the same as I'm used to that. You know, you guys, yeah, there's places in you know northern Edmonton or probably up by Fort Mac. You know, we're kind of level on the yeah on the area there, mm-hmm. and uh, I suppose you seven questions. How Sorry. much daylight? When does the sun set up there right now? Yeah, so if you does it if you close your eyes to go to sleep at like one o'clock in the morning, or like you're still up, and then you sleep for about an hour and 45 minutes of barely darkness and then up at 3:30 again the the, dark, the lights coming up that's cool but you got to you got to put the shades you got to shut the shades and you got to get it uh you got to get it dark cuz yeah it uh it stays bright for a long time that's good for outdoor gardening if you know what i mean i got i got a permit for uh to grow yeah about 93 plants of my own herbal medicine so i like to keep a Keep some growing on the outside and make my own uh, uh, Rick Simpson oil. So that's what I use for my pain and my sleep and all that stuff. Even Very more cool. incentive. That's awesome. Yeah. But sorry, Brooks, you were talking about uh, your taxidermy yeah, no, experience. I want to know about GT Outdoors and the taxidermy piece and how, how you got big into that. Yeah, so I was—I've always been into hunting and fishing, and and that was another—that's another reason I have such a passion for up here, right? We've got a, a pretty nice landscape and, and back backyard, and up the Alaska Highway, and there's you know pristine lakes. It's kind of like Banff. I mean, to show you some pictures. It's kind of same idea, but and we've got some great uh, ability to go hunting and dip, to hunt different uh, spots and different species. Pretty. Um, you know, in different parts of, you know, I mean, Alberta and BC you need to go and apply for a lottery for a lot of moose and certain deer, but here you can go over the counter and buy moose, elk, deer, black bear, mountain goat, sheep. So it's probably one of the better hunting areas, uh, a lot of vast, uh, rivers and areas to hunt. So did a lot of hunting, you know, my dad got me into hunting. We'd usually go out and get a moose every year and that's, uh, you know, old school style, that's what filled the freezer, right? And you go, and that's what, that was your meat and your protein. I, um, two brothers, I've uh, got a brother five years older than me named Chance, and a, a brother uh, just two years older than me named Judd. And so we uh, we grew up, we ate a lot of moose meat, and we uh, made sure there was no leftovers. So it was something we grew up on, right? We, we learned how to do it, and we learned, to, you know, for us, the heritage of hunting and the importance of uh uh, being able to you know, put food on your on your table and so um it was in 2012 or something maybe 2011 i um i was messing around doing some uh antlers and putting them on plaques and then my uh my brother judd ended up shooting a nice big mule deer and i thought well i'll just go on youtube here and learn how to do taxidermy and then i'm going to give this thing a shot right so i did <laughs> i i went and uh I went and fired up YouTube and then uh, learned the steps, what I had to do, and, and did the first one. And it had a few errors behind it. But, uh, you know, as you go on and you use the other ones, but then I thought, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this. And I turned it into a business. And, uh, and that's what GT's Outdoors was. We, uh, we started as a bit of a video and uh, 
hunting production kind of company. And um, I realized what, you know, the phoniness of, you know, a little bit of all that, that I wasn't really into it. And so I, I took on the taxidermy and that's the, I, the kind of stuff you see in the art form, right? I, I like to try to recreate things in the, in their true likeness. And that was the challenge with taxidermy. And I, uh, my biggest one, I did a full mount grizzly bear standing over top of the dead elk. So that was my, kind of my, you know, shining star of what I always wanted to finish. And I did uh, mountain goats, buffalo, and uh, yeah, me and my brother Chance, yeah, he's uh, was a big help of mine. So. Yeah, you guys have some crazy stuff in Instagram, man. Some of that stuff is just like, it's unreal. The listeners really need to check it out. So what are your, what are you, your socials for that Instagram account? That one's uh, at GT's Outdoors, G-T-S-O-U-T-D-O-O-R-S. Yeah, you got to check that out. That's really cool. There's some good yeah, stuff on there. I appreciate that. That's uh, that's a tough one, you know. And and you know when we, uh, in in this, you know, getting cancer and and having paralysis and dealing with loss, you know, it's the the taxidermy and the golf and the hunting and everything, everything that you kind of hold happy that you stay alive, but all the shit that you you love doing goes away. And so it's a uh, it's it's a tough transition and it's a tough trade off. But then you got to find different ways to do things, right? And that's what I you know talking about golf here. We got to find different ways to get out on the golf course. And I always have to find a different way. You know, I went and uh, speaking of hunting real quick, my good buddy Miles Thorpe he took me on a black bear hunt into Saskatchewan, and we went and uh, we went and hunted uh, some big black bears over bait with. Uh, with bows i practiced from the wheelchair with a bow and uh yeah the first day we hunted and i uh not supposed to shoot one on the first day because you're supposed to wait to see how many big ones come in later than that but this is slob of a black bear came in and uh i probably made the best shot of my life on about 25 yards and the bear didn't go very far and it was all got uh captured for uh wild tv i don't know if you've seen wild tv along it's an edmonton deal but it's a hunting show so it aired on wild tv and that was uh oh, with, sure. with gt's outdoors it's always my goal the, the able-bodied guy right i was running around filming this shit and then fuck i didn't put to a wheelchair and i finally achieved my goal of being <laughs> on tv so, uh, that's crazy yeah it's Hey man, it was meant to be. It was it was fate for sure. Yeah, luckily, you know, my buddy, my buddy Miles, and uh, another buddy Steve Eckham, they helped me out to to get on there, and you know, I I did the rest. So it was a pretty, pretty proud moment. So yeah, that's my story behind hunting and my and uh, taxidermy. I'm not doing much of it anymore. So this is why this has been my outlet for for art is is this, and I'm actually. Uh, working on uh, setting up a pottery studio right now, actually, and I'll be doing. Uh, doing ceramics but not you know your typical coffee cups and stuff i'll be doing pipes and bongs and some more interesting kind of functional art so um i'm excited to get into that i, I don't want to go back and work in a typical office scenario and sitting around for eight hours a day so my uh studio is going to be right beside my bedroom and uh being in a wheelchair you know when you need to take a break you need to take a break and you need to get off your ass and lay on your stomach or go and uh yeah get up in the standing chair or something so it's hard to try to live back into the restrictions of the able-bodied world you know of do this do that and, and but luckily you know with covid there's more work from home jobs that i'm kind of opening myself up to as well totally yeah. like right now it's kind of 
yeah, it's showing people that there's a there's different ways you can be productive, right? Like if you can hop on yeah. a Zoom call and meet with your people and computers, a lot of people do every, like unless you're doing a certain job that requires you to be out there. But even then, like there's only a certain percentage of the time they're actually out doing there and you're doing paperwork and all these other things that for someone such as yourself, where it's like, yeah, I have these restrictions in life where like I, I need to move it. Like it, it, it's for like, that's how I can actually live my best life. It's cool that, like, yeah, the opportunities can be opened up this way. I think companies are really going to see that they've been blowing a lot of money on overhead. <laughs> oh, yeah. On brick and mortar and, uh, oh, yeah. and travel. And, like, why oh, do I go yeah. to Steve, Julia, Bill, and Mike to New York? Why can't they just go on a Zoom call, right? Oh, I just saved $20,000. Exactly. So, you know what, man? Keep your comments to yourself, okay? The guys that like to travel for work, they <laughs> like to travel for work, all right? Yeah, let's edit no. that part out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's no, man, but you're 100% right. Like, the climate has changed. The landscape has changed. Everybody is doing everything via Zoom, whether it's a product presentation, a customer meeting, a discovery conversation, a podcast, whatever the fuck it is, it's this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is it now. You're safe. You're in your home. You don't have to go out of your bubble. You know, and and everybody can do the same amount of work and, and have the same productive output as driving to an office or getting on a plane, right? The thing, the thing I'm going to sound a bit, you know, it's interesting, but like, you know, I, I, I've been in quarantine for three years since I've been put in this chair. Like, you know, you get sent home and you have to sit at home and you don't, everywhere's got stairs and no access and you literally like, I won't leave my home for a week sometimes, man. Like fucking, there's just no shit to do or nowhere to go. So I'm like, enjoy learning about quarantine, motherfuckers. <laughs> this is what it's all about. I'm a professional. And it is true, man. And it, it, it it's sort of hard to say it, but it's, uh, you do, you do, you know, in paralysis. And that's what I want to shine a light on. You get kind of put back. And Parksy knows I'm super, you know, outgoing guy and i like to be in the mingle and around people and stuff but you know it changes you know paralysis it your, your friends change around you a little bit and everybody looks at you differently and treats you a bit differently so it's uh yeah it's interesting to go it's interesting to go from an able body into and into a minority position um right overnight right and so to to only look at the world from uh you know a position of somebody who's, you know, on top of the world, and then all of a sudden you, you get granted a, a disability, which is, uh, it's not, you know, cancer's a, you know, a, a tough one because if I was to crash a car and uh, break my back or break my spine that way, uh, insurance would cover me and pay me X amount of money. But when you just get an injury or an illness like cancer, you don't get, you get some money from the CPP. So it's just hard. You have to all everything becomes out of pocket, right? Mm-hmm. So this chair I'm sitting on, grand, so that's out of pocket. So any other new, a brand new equipment is nine hundred bucks. So the medical industry is just like big pharma. They jack the prices out of absolutely everything. It's disgusting the way they do it. Um, they take advantage of people because they can, because people are in a needy situation. So I've, I'm, I'm a. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those guys very, very much and uh, because they do, because most people do have insurance, right? So they are getting paid and uh, they're getting paid pretty handsomely from those insurance. Mm-hmm. But when guys like me go through it, 
you know, you got to pay out, out of pocket. Yeah. And for the listeners that like don't know the whole backstory of this, like I think we should just kind of go into this so we can give a little sure. context to this. I'm a jumper. So, you want to watch out for me, boys. I'm yeah. jumping off. <laughs> That's totally fine. Topics. So well, again, for the listeners that don't know the whole backstory to this, like why don't you take us through the last few years and kind of leading up to that and then like how that's impacted your life and like what you're trying to now push through with all the struggles you've had in the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was 2015, right about the time I got laid off. Um, I was down working down in, um, Vancouver. I, I started feeling a little bit of a tingle in my, uh, in my left knee. Didn't think a whole bunch of it. Uh, got back to Fort Nelson um, started feeling a little bit different and in the same leg and on the side, like I, I didn't know it then, but it would, it would be found out later that it'd be nerve pain, neuropathy pain, it's called. And so then, then started the process of going to the doctor and I started this, I started this in 2015. I don't know which month for sure, but I was, uh, it was about, a year and a half it, it took for the process to kind of unwind to try to figure out what was going on. I, uh, I was sent, you know, being up north, we don't have very good medical services. You know, they don't hurry up and rush you out for an MRI. I wish, I wish now I would have uh, pushed myself out the door and to go get an MRI a little bit quicker. Uh, whether or not it would have made a difference, I'm not really sure. But so we tried a lot of things. They, they, um, they did an x-ray, they didn't see anything. Then they sent me down for a CT scan. They didn't see anything. They seen I had some bald discs in my lower lumbar, which is pretty typical for a golfer or a hockey, hockey player. player. Yeah. Anybody who's been sitting bent over. So, you know, even then they sent me down to Fort St. John. We did some guided uh, laser uh, x-ray uh, cortisone injections. Still was having a lot of pain and issues, and now pain starting to get a bit worse okay it's starting to burn up and down my side a little bit um so that was a that, that was a bit more of a sign that i need to hurry up and do something and my mom my mom's a massage therapist and she knows a lot about the body and, and she's been at that for 20 years and so she she just pushed me to go and get uh an mri so i asked them to schedule me one they said it would be six or seven months away yet so i I jumped in the car and uh, I pinned it to Edmonton. I phoned him and he said, "Yeah, we'll get you in overnight." Another one of those things, right? It's thirteen hundred bucks. I get it now. I wasn't expecting to to uh, come out of there that way. And so I I, I went down to it was August the thirteenth, I believe, of uh, of twenty sixteen, and I went down for the MRI and I walked out of there and the guy said. Uh, you better sit down and I sat down and he said, uh, you've got a, a massive, uh, growth. They call it a growth inside your spinal cord. And, uh, he showed me a picture and this thing is like, uh, I don't know. It was 11, 11 centimeters, 11 centimeters. So it was, it was a fair size. Like that's about, I don't know if you can see that, but mm-hmm. this is, you know, like a natural, inside the spinal cord from the um c7 to t7 um and so it was uh labeled the inter intermedullary pendomoma 
which is a one in a million cancer. It uh, it starts in your in your third decade, um, man or woman. It it uh, it doesn't you know discern really between the two, but it's not caused by smoking or this or eating habits or that or anything else. It's just a, a pick your pick your name out of the hat and uh, and get drawn for it. So that was a hard one to swallow. Um, dealing with that and trying to understand what, you know, just mentally just saying, okay, it's a mass, it's not cancer. I, I never give it the big scary cancer word, right? That was, I think, part of my mentality around it. And um, I don't know if ignorance is bliss or what, but I, this is what this company stands for. It's the FC company. It means fuck cancer. It's my buddy, a buddy out of here started it. And uh, I like to uh, support him a little bit and wear that stuff. But uh the, yeah, I never like to. I never like to call it to call it cancer, and I, I just was trying to do the next thing and figure out what was next and deal with the. Then, then, then so when I walked out of there, I was I was in Edmonton. I went to emergency because I was like, oh my god, there's a massive thing inside my spinal cord. So I went to emergency, and then they put me on to see a neurologist in Edmonton uh, named Doctor Broad. And Dr. Broad, you see me always reaching down, adjusting my legs. I got spastic legs. It's a result of the spinal cord injury. So if I'm always reaching down, it's because they, you know, when people have a nervous jitter, so my legs will bounce like that, but I can't shut them off. I have to kind of reach down. <laughs> and so Soothe them back. I, uh, yeah, I put them back to where they fucking smarten up. And so Dr. Broad, I started dealing with him and he started giving me the truth about spinal cords and uh and what this was and and uh, you know the the fact that you know it's he's going to make you worse and uh it was tough times i had uh you know we had my wife at the time we had we had just uh, unfortunately got the news of a miscarriage on july 31st and then this was the diagnosis of uh the spinal cord tumor on august 3rd wow. so uh we went through an absolute uh an uproar uh, of, you know, turmoil and stuff. Uh, unfortunately, we ended up separating during this whole process too, about uh, in between the time I was diagnosed to when I had the surgery. So it was an absolute, uh, you know, turmoil time for me. Uh, the, the the doctors put me on some antidepressants, uh, which I later, you know, just this last year, came off of and, and, and figured out with the use of psilocybin mushrooms. So wow. I'm, uh, I'm learning the whole health um, benefit that way. But so the next thing was I, uh, I had to wait and keep getting monitored. They kept doing MRIs to find out if the tumor was growing. Uh, I was much oil as I could boys. I was <laughs> fucking selling Cracker Jacks to try to get this shit. Mike, you know, Stealing pro V's out the pro shop and trying to sell them because <laughs> <laughs> this shit was expensive and you need a lot of it to try to to try to drink a tumor and that was the only thing um, other than surgery that I could try to do so I uh, I tried that it was hard you had to eat a lot of that shit man I can remember putting the scores up in a golf tournament absolutely stoned out of my mind and this, <laughs> this weed oil hits me like a truck and this. You know, I got giving guys eights when it should be a three, and I fucking had to go take a little time out. But um, 
Yeah, so the mon so they monitored the tumor and uh, he said, listen, it's going to come to a point where you're going to have to decide whether you want to let this thing kind of grow and try to and try to deal with it. But boys, at that time, I was starting to lose my ability to I couldn't walk properly. I was using a cane. Uh, the pain I was on, you name it, perks, opioids, anything I could to try to kill this pain every day. I can remember. Um, yeah, I can remember thinking that drinking and doing cocaine was probably the best way to ease the pain because there was just no relief. And I, I, I know how bad that sounds, but it was fucking, it was horrible. And um, even to this day, I still deal with a lot of some of that, you know, real pain. And the only way I can explain it is like, you know, sharp, someone with a sharp burning uh, fork and is just ramming it up under your fat layer of your stomach. So it's a uh, it's a horrible pain, and a lot of my wheelchair friends will know what that's all about. But uh, so this wasn't pain so they, that was they, just throughout the whole body; it was centralized in one area. Was a lot so of the pain, for me, or yeah, no, it was up from the back, mainly on my left side, and then wrapped around the right side. So because that's where the tumor was affecting the most, and so that that for me, you know, was where most of the pain was, but. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. It was a really hard, hard to get rid of kind of pain that is uh, undescribable. Really, once it was getting bad, you know, I can remember I couldn't even swing a golf club. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even pee standing up because I was so wobbly. And the doctors are pushing perks and opiates like that was the first thing that they were going to offer you. Well, yeah, that was it. Just to no, I, 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 I worked my way up to try and. From eating Robaxaset to, you know, Advil's yeah. to, you know, try natural turmeric and like I said, weed oil and stuff. But eventually I just had to work my way all the way up. And um, I, I'm lucky. I don't, I'm not as in as like I don't have the use of my legs, but I'm not in as much pain now. I'm, I'm in That's good. I'm in far better shape now in terms of pain and, um, you know, the ability to, uh you know, get rest and, and not be in excruciating pain. I still deal with some other things now that, uh, that are a bit worse, but, uh, yeah. So the doctors decided, and I decided it was time to, uh, it was time to go ahead and do, uh, do the surgery. And so we signed up for that and did the surgery. Uh, it was July 12th. I'm coming up on my, uh, three year anniversary here, July 12th, 2017. So I went in for uh, my first surgery is a 10 hour surgery and they performed what's called a laminectomy. So go ahead and feel the back of your backs right now, fellas. You feel those sharp bones kind of like your, your dinosaur bones. Yeah, yeah. So they went in and they cut each side of that all the way down and removed that whole strip. Uh, you could think about it as like a, a taking a cap off where they could get into your spinal cord. Um, Wow. Do, you, they, do you still have those pics up on your uh, Instagram? I know they're yeah. on Facebook, but yeah, I don't know if I put them on this other one. My recent Instagram, I never shared enough of this stuff. No, you know, during right, but I uh, I got a lot of uh, pictures for along the way. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be probably pretty hard to like share all of this while you're trying to digest it in the moment, right? Like that's that's a pretty heavy. 
thing to try and do. Really, it, was, it, it was really hard, you know, and I didn't, I shared some stuff like, you know, with my, I had some GoFundMe help from some people and, um, and that helped. And I wanted to share a lot of that journey, but no, definitely when you're in it and it's emotional and you're, you're trying not to die, it's a fucking, it's a, if I knew now the value it would bring other people, I would have done more to do that. I have so much. I've got like 1200 videos. I'm, I'm thinking about playing it back and working with somebody to do a, a Netflixy kind of documentary. You need to, you need to man. Yeah. For sure. What, yeah. What was the I just community don't have like? contacts or anything. Sorry. What was the support like in the community, like in up in Fort Nelson? I mean, obviously everybody's going to so know it, about it, this. It, yeah. Everybody, I was, you know, a lot of people knew me. I, I captained our, uh, one of our best hockey teams to come out of here. We won the provincial championships in 2001, 2000. Uh, two, um, sorry, 2000, 2001. And, you know, I've been a big part of the community through golf and everything else. And yeah. so it was good. There was fundraisers, there was people doing community support stuff and, uh, it's spinal cord cancer, right? It's a big, scary deal. You know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't give it that much respect because I, I didn't want to look into spinal cord injuries and what it really meant for, for me as a, as a person. But, uh, I had great support from the community and from friends around the different provinces. And I know a lot of people, um, you know, had the opportunity to contribute to that. And they raised over, I suppose, $38,000 for me to, you know, I had a house at the time and I was trying to float that and figure it out. And I ended up, um, I ended up giving that out back to the bank. So I went bankrupt through all this, um, uh, as part of not being able to pay for the house and everything. I, uh, I just finished up the bankruptcy like only three months ago or something like so. That's how long you got to think. This started in 2015, and my bankruptcy was just done three months ago. So wow. I'm finally out from under it. Uh, our town's been hurting so bad, though. I bought that house for 410,000 in 2013, and they just sold it through foreclosure for 167 thousand dollars. Wow! So That's we've crazy. lost 65 to 67 percent of our real estate value up here. Because we are only an oil and gas town, and when that yep. uh, ship sailed, it's been bad. But just to go back on my, on on route here, I uh, I went uh, and after we did the first surgery, they uh, they said I'd come out of it, and it was a ten hour surgery. Family was really worried. They said uh, we got good news; we got half of your tumor out. And so I was like, what the fuck, right? Like half of it out. Like what, what's the problem, boys? I fucking cut a lot of animals open in my life. Get in there, clean her out, and let's fucking get going. Let's fucking go, right? Nope, nope. It takes more time than that. So just to understand the delicacy of it, if this was, if this chunk of clay was what the tumor was, they had to use ultrasonic sound vibrations to use uh, very high frequencies to break the tumor up away from the lining of the spinal cord. Uh, so they didn't do as much, as least amount of damage. So the And then when that was happening, a little vacuum would go around and suck, suck it up wow. as not to spread it around, right? So they, uh, I was supposed to go back in a week later. Um, they didn't end up being able to book so they had to they have to put you on this nerve monitoring system where they monitor you through the whole surgery. So if they hit something like, hey, it's fucking 
his left elbow moved or you're fucking with the wrong spot. So they didn't book that. So they um, ended up sitting me out for two weeks and uh, ended up getting a fucking bladder infection because they got this fucking Foley catheter in me for too long without cleaning it off. Spinal cord injuries, a guy learns real bad that your bladder and bowel are things that you take for granted until you also lose them completely and have to figure out if and when they're coming back. So um, fast forward two weeks. While, I, while I'm in there, I realized that they put the fucking main bone back in, my, back in my spinal cord. So they left it out and kept it in the freezer for the time being while I was in there. So I was kind of squirmy, right? Like I, I come out, I couldn't move anything. Like I'm pretty much paralyzed from T9 down. So from my level of my ribs down, so I'm pretty wobbly a, a, as, as it is right now. But um, so yeah, they freaked me out because they didn't put it back in. So then they hauled me in for another surgery. Um, they did another 10 hours, 10, 11 hours on the second surgery, put the bone back in, put some, uh, some hardware in place to keep it in place. And then uh, in the hard part, yeah, I had to wait for like, fuck, it felt like forever, but it was probably four weeks or three and a half, four weeks until they come back and said, uh, it turns out your your tumor was cancerous. So now... I was I because it could have been both. It could have been benign or malignant or whatever they call it. And those were those are what I um, I was hoping it was a benign tumor, and it turned out it was a cancerous tumor, like a pretty serious stage four um, ependymoma. But luckily for me, it wasn't ependymoma. An ependymoma is a for an example would be a you know like an encased hot dog you've seen a hot dog encased perfectly right well that was like having that down inside my spinal cord was perfect because it had distinguishable walls between the tumor and the spinal cord and so an astrocytoma is a a tumor that think about growing out with arms and fingers and dug in everywhere and would have been very hard they can never completely remove an astrocytoma so i'm Though I'm shitty that I have, I'm thankful that I got the good one that they're able to get out of there. And so they removed 99.9% of the tumor. And then, uh, but then I had to go for a 28 round radiation at the uh, Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton. So that was, uh, that was six weeks of that. I did uh, treatments uh, Monday to Friday and took the weekends off. And I always joke with them. I'm like, Cancer doesn't take the weekends off. How do you guys need the fucking weekends off? I don't need them off. Let's roast this fucking thing and get out of here, right? <laughs> no. So I was so good and sneaking, though, man. I, I was probably the only dude to smoke dope in the hospital the whole fucking time. I was there, man. <laughs> I had this one cool guy named Johnny fucking Johnny. I think he was, uh, I don't want to say what he was, but he, uh, he hooked me up, man. He hooked me up with the edibles, and then he just brought the shatter pen, and then I would hit the. I learned to hit the shatter pen and not exhale whatsoever. Hold it in the whole fucking time. Try to beat the cancer. Trying to get off the the morphine, right? Because I was on the morphine big time. My uh, I had such good family support, though, man. You know, my mom. My mom's been an absolute hero to me. She's quit her job and she came down and supported day in day out um at the time i uh i had a girlfriend named jordan hanley she was absolutely 
you know, every day on the phone, being there for me and, uh, and my brother, uh, Chance and Judd, and my dad, Patty, and uh, a lot of family and friends. So if that's one thing I can ever attribute to people is, uh, is being there for somebody when they're going through shit. You know, people always get really finicky, like, how do I deal with this guy in the hospital? Or do I do this? So I don't want to impede. No, man, reach out to those friends. Like, even if you're like, you know, on the fence friends, because there's never enough visitors. Like, if they tell you, like, hey, fuck off, you're, you're too much. But you, you'd be surprised, man, people, because people don't like hospitals, right? Yeah. People don't like being around them or visiting them or anything else. So I know for myself, like, just to cut in for a sec, like, when you talk about the people that support, I mean, I lost my dad when I was 11 to cancer. And, yeah, same thing. You're at the hospital every single day. And it's like you go with your mom, you sit there all night and. 10 other people show up every single day and it's the constant support system. Now to this day that like PTSD of the hospital world is definitely there. I don't like going there. I don't associate well with it because of the situation, but those situations you definitely see who is close to you and who's your, on your support team for sure. True. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think after, after two, I mean, everybody tends to show up, when it counts or some people show up when it counts, but there's never any follow-up. I mean, I lost my dad to cancer a couple of years ago too. And, you know, everybody's always, Oh yeah, you know, I'm always here for you. If you want to talk or whatever. And it's like, you never hear from anyone. Yeah. No one ever calls. No one. Yeah. No one ever texts. None of that shit. Just pleasant. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, they feel this like, Oh yeah. It's a weird society thing, though, because it's like I call it the injured ducksed syndrome. Like, <laughs> I don't want to get, I don't want to go near that guy because I might catch his cancer, right? Or like, uh, right? I fucking we do that because we we we're, we're unfortunately nowadays we all want to compete with being better than each other, mm-hmm. and True. and that's uh you know there's too much to step on your head to try to get ahead attitude and um. I think once we can change that, that it'll be helpful. But so I went from there. I did the I did the cancer treatment, and then they discharged me from there into the to the um, rehabilitation center where I thought my legs were going to fucking magically reappear and start walking again. But uh, that wasn't to be the case. I I did another six weeks of that. So I learned different things: uh, wheelchair skills, how to transfer, how to shower myself, my bathroom routine what kind of, uh, you know, luckily for me, I started out, I had to use catheters to go to the bathroom, but then I was able to pee again and, and learning all that. And, you know, like I said, you take learning to walk, they say is much harder the second time than even if you can do it, you know, because the first time it just came naturally. So in total, it was uh, six months, July to December, I was in hospital. For. Um, you know, it's definitely the biggest, uh, biggest challenge in my life and I'm, I'm lucky and, and thankful to be alive. I, I do have a lot of soreness and complaints and, and challenges and stuff, but I, uh, I'm lucky to get through it and, uh, and, and, and to be, you know, I'm, you know, I do have a you know, I have good feeling down in my legs and everything when I, I have, uh, the ability to move them a bit, but I'm not, I'm not as focused. I focused for three years, two and a half years hard parks. He's seen a lot of my uh, updates and stuff. And I've, I've worked uh, day and night to try to regain my ability to uh, walk again. And, and though I'll always try for it, you know, and now, like I said, I'm doing other things, the sculpting and the pottery and I'm 
doing some, uh, you know, different art forms. And I'm not so singularly focused on trying to walk again. I've, I've learned that, uh, you know, with the spinal cord cut open, it's just part of the injury until they, until they give me the implant. That's what I'm, I'm waiting for, the bionic implant that they're working on at the U of A, actually. Yeah, but, you know, dog, I got to say, like, I, I mean, I was a part of your journey at whatever capacity you want to call it. But all of your rehab and all of the things that you try and you push yourself to do is fucking inspirational, man. And I mean, I was gonna that's, say. Yeah. That, that story needs to be shared with people and people need to see that because there are people in the world that that will resonate with. And, and maybe you're not to the, to the level you want to be at yet. But man, some of those videos will help people in facets you'll never even comprehend. So I do get it, right? Because I, I get the people I don't even know that follow me and even the people that randomly just send me the message like, hey, man, you know, you're, what you're doing is inspirational and what you're doing is making a difference. And, and I, that's, a, you know, I want to try. I need to be more, I think one thing about me too, like anyone, I need to be a more honest voice and, and, and show all sides of a spinal cord injury and not just when I'm doing my best, like, oh, you know, there I am taking a few steps or things yeah, like that. Yeah, happy days. Right. Yay, it's all rainbows yeah, and puppy yeah. dogs. My, yeah. my, my fifth lips life. People need to see, like, the transformation that you've made out of this as well. Like, I mean, I just went on your social media or on your Instagram today and I was like, this guy, like, clearly took on to the fitness side of the life and went hard. Like, it's not like, I'm sure you came out of the hospital very weak and not in the best situation, but I would, I'd actually like to see the photos of when you got out of the hospital and compare it to now, because it's actually like ridiculous. You want to talk about inspiration? Like that's it. There's people that are complaining. Oh man, I got COVID fat. Yeah, man, you, you should take, boy the, you take a look college, at this. Didn't you dog? I got big, man. I, I used to be a big get, kid. I, used, I got up to like 205, and I think right now I'm at like 165 or something. Um, but I did. I took that on. You know, I was. I You're was not any better looking now, though. So I'm trying, <laughs> trying to find a picture here. Uh, trying to find a picture here, but of course I'll uh, I'll never find it. But yeah, I was definitely. Uh, I was bearded and out of weight and constipated and chunky, and I. Uh, I on because when you sit in the chair you have what's called parabelly and your, your stomach kind of sits out and it wasn't very you know because you're cut right there it's hard mm. to it's hard to keep fit so i wanted to get my abs tight and work out hard and then i had an opportunity to uh join a bodybuilding competition and uh yeah and i was called gung-ho for that until this guy named vanilla gorilla Fucking came along and got an injury, and somewhere along the line, he just yoked already, right? And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like fucking take it easy on that for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to something else. Plus, I was sick of lifting and you know, hurting my body. And you only got one body, man. And those guys, a lot of guys, not him, not saying that, but a lot of guys in sports are doing juice and I can't do any juice and stuff. So I, that's bad for cancer. So I wasn't into that, but I'm glad I got, I needed the goal, right? I needed to get super healthy. I'm a competitive guy. I wanted to, you know, I ate super clean. Like I would cook a big chicken a week and just eat chicken, 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 chicken. And I lost lots of weight and got pretty shredded. I, uh, the funny thing is like the best I've looked in my life, right? Cause I fucking, 
And I wasn't skipping leg day, man. I was doing fucking legs in the morning. That's amazing. You know, and I was, I'm doing some videos there. You can see me doing some little squats and squatting my body weight. But the battle is, is that, that the legs are atrophying and dying off. And my muscles are tightening so bad that when I go and I treat, try to do those big, uh, those big lift days, it, uh, it's it's hard on me. It's hard to recover from, and, sure. and and it makes it really hard to live my day to day life. You know, to sit comfortably, and, and so we got to kind of balance it, right? And it's I'm, a trade off. I'm fucking, I'm an all go or no go kind of the guy, and then I go real hard when I can, and then I oh bitch, oh I fucking hurt so bad. But uh, it was a big challenge to get fit like that, and I, I feel good about it. I've I've let her slide a little bit. I think during COVID, I, I felt good and went to Costa Rica looking great and had an absolute blast down there. I That's been my biggest trip since uh, my injury and being in a wheelchair. Uh, my buddy Bernard Streeper, he's been a gem for taking me places. We've been to Nashville for his stag and then Edmonton for his wedding. And then, uh, yeah, we did Costa Rica for 10 days down there, and it was uh, – I got to do snorkeling and just some shit that, you know, when you're going through cancer and you're in the depths of it and uh, sleeping in the hospital by yourself and worried about life, you don't think. I've been to Costa Rica like three times before and it wasn't even on my radar. Like, how am I going to get on an airplane or yeah. figure out the bathroom thing? Or, you know, and then I'm doing it and there I am with, a, you know, I get on the plane and I got to figure it out. And I got this condom catheter contraption so I can just, whenever i want i think everybody should use those fucking things on the airplane man you don't gotta get up you can fucking you can tip <laughs> uh, some sammies yeah get some rumskis going boys i fucking <laughs> i was on the wine down there i was four or five deep by the time i fucking rode in nashville one time we in costa rica fuck. i was i was better than that yeah we uh we had a fucking wild time down there and it's uh it's uh it's good to learn how to travel these distances so i've got some future goals there's uh when the world back opens back up there's a there's a pair of bobsled competition i want to get it's a worldwide competition Same i want to get involved in i want to train out of calgary hopefully it's not in the olympics yet they're working on getting into the into the uh olympics um what about sled hockey i remember once upon a time we were talking about sled hockey fuck man you know what because of my how weak my core is, it's like Those it's like trying to play hockey on bocce ball. Yeah. It's, oh. uh, and then I'm like, you know what? I played hockey for so much of my life. I want to find something else. Like I don't want to try to. I love hockey, but just to try to go out and be competitive like that. And those guys are all like Team Canada. There's some that are paras, but a lot of them are like single amputees. So they uh, all have like their same abs and core. And don't get me wrong, you know, not everybody. I'm not them all with the same brush but uh, and even though i want to play against up here right it'd be like going out and taking fucking headshots out there with wrestling toys right these teeth are already fucking fake these two front ones man so i played a lot of hockey man i blocked a lot of shots that was my uh, Claim the fame. The flame. Yeah, I used to fucking crush people and block shots, man. I couldn't deep worth a shit. Um, I had a shitty shot worth a hit in the net, but fuck, I would hit you hard and turn the game around, man. Yeah. And uh, and I'd also sacrifice. I can remember taking a few block shots right off the head, diving straight into them. So 
Yeah, maybe avoid I've, seen you to- I've seen you toss him in the bar before. I wouldn't mess with you on the ice. <laughs> yeah, Mark, don't, don't. Sh- <laughs> Have any doctors ever approached you about looking into like the stem cell research side of life? Like, is that ever so an option that you've looked at? I can't go. For me, I've looked at it, but because also because it was cancer, I can't go injecting stem cells anywhere because they could. The cancer could grow off those injected oh, okay. stem cells. Wow. Any steroid or any stem cells or any boost like that. The only other one that a guy could try that Ryan Strath from uh, Humboldt Broncos. He mm-hmm. he got into uh, that trial in Thailand and they put a uh, implant on top of this cord and they have about hundred or so patients so far regained some nice function. So the one in uh, U of A is a little bit more interesting. They're they're doing what would you you could solve this your spinal cord. Um, remember, I'm not a medical professional yeah, at any yeah, means. No right? Just put a doctor on TV or what? Yeah. I put my disclaimer out there. I and like so that. it literally is just a it's just a it's just a it's just a needle or that would go with a hair like thread right into your spinal cord and it hooks to your a little electrical device which you hook to your phone and you turn it on and so the messages I can send now like at ten or twelve percent they're getting through it fucking boosts them up to like eighty five, ninety percent. So because the connectivity is there. But they say they're about five years away from letting that one fly in Edmonton and uh and putting it out there. So I just keep myself healthy to then and figure out a way to raise 150 grand so I have the coin when the time comes and um, who knows who knows what's going to take to do that I'm hopefully going to be launching my own podcast the Tanner Whitten show I, boy. I, nice. just started, go. I just started it I'm hoping to do some interesting interviews I'm not going to really stay in one lane I'm going to be sports politics and news and hot topics and uh, yeah Badly. I'll be talking about just about everything so that's awesome. Maybe dude. I could reciprocate and have you boys on at one yeah, point. Definitely. Absolutely. But yeah, that's my that, that's my cancer story, man. And so I I've learned to now try to be uh since I you know, I ran for town council. Um unfortunately didn't get uh on there. Uh kinda glad it didn't happen. Ended up working with uh, Port Nelson First Nations here for a couple of years on their board of directors. So um, I'm just learning to put myself back out there now and uh, try to get back in the work world. And uh, luckily, they've they've given me a um, a program called CISO, which uh, lets me uh, have a helper come in here on a daily basis and and do some home care stuff with me. So with that program, I've been able to advance some of my you know, my healing. No, Parksy, don't do that. And then uh, we uh, we're able to advance some of my. Uh, my healing and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But uh, yeah, it's been a big learning curve, man, especially the main thing is just around disabilities and, and nobody fucking speaks up enough for people with disabilities. I, I know it's different, but you're seeing it with black lives matter right now. You're seeing uh, what the, what minorities have to go through and, and straight up, I'll tell you this. I never knew being a, 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 a white, you know, able-bodied male, I never knew what privilege was until I until I became a minority because I never, I could never understand it. Let's say it that way, or looked at it. So now I'm like, holy fuck, man! Everybody does look at you and treat you differently, and you you're thirty percent less likely to get hired. And if you do get hired, you're gonna probably make 25 to 30 percent less than the average able-bodied person does so all of a sudden you're like holy fuck i'm 
you know, and, and then you learn, I go from making $140,000 a year to right now I'm making about 15 on disability. Like, yeah. so everything changes and you, you, you go from being in a, a higher echelon category to, and now I'm, I'm working my way back up, you know, I have to go through the bankruptcy and give the house away and uh, sell my camper and sell my Argo and sell my side by side and sell all the material toys, you know, for, for a real example of, uh, of material over life, it really comes down to it. And, uh, it's all just stuff. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I've learned that it's, uh, you know, we got to be thankful for, for our, for our health and life. And what I'm trying to help people with now is try to help them understand. We got to, got to treat our bodies like it's a Lamborghini and not a fucking Honda Civic. Right. Yeah. We got to, we got to put the good gas in and we got to, we do, we got to, we got to preach health and we got to eat healthy and we got to, you know, drink lots of water. And, and, and one thing I really tell a lot of people is that, uh, if you think something's wrong, there's probably wrong with your body, man. And don't, don't let a doctor sweep it under a rug and, and always ask those questions and push for it because, you know, luckily I let mine slide a bit, but luckily I kept pushing for it. And now people have, I speak a pretty strong message online and people message me and, you know, how about this and how about that? And did you do this with your cancer? And my friend has this and that's what you should think about. And so I've been able to shed some positivity on it for other people. And I think through sharing things online, I, people do, I like when people say you're an inspiration, but I really like when people show like, Hey, you inspired me to do this. Do this. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. I think I think I think it's uh, you know a, a lot of it's a lot of it's wordplay which I which I understand but I really like when I get a pointed right. kind of you know so you do this and so some action right. yeah somebody's taking yeah. action and materializing did or, I did want to I did want to ask you this because you kind of touched on it earlier but so to give a little backstory on just my understanding of potentially what you may have gone through so like I kind of grew up playing golf with. Uh, a guy who went through a farming accident, lost his arm and his leg and half the fingers on his other hand, who ended up becoming probably one of the best handicapped golfers in the pl- on the planet, Bob McDermott. And when he yeah. first lost his legs and his arm, he talked about the first few days when he would come out of bed, when he was home and he would roll out of bed and you just fall over because you forget that it, you don't have that there anymore. And he talked about the depression that he faced for so long. But then you mentioned earlier that you started dabbling obviously with psilocybin and using the mushrooms to battle that depression. And like, that's something that I've kind of been an advocate for, for years talking about that, like, you know, researching it and understanding the benefits of it. How did you take that in those times where, you know, you were just out of the hospital and it wasn't, you know, so clear as a little bleak, but then you use the psilocybin to battle through that depression. Like, how was that? Well, it was, it was, so this was 17. I got out of the hospital 18, you know, January 18. That year was kind of shitty. I was still on a, I was still on an antidepressant called Cymbalta. And I, they put me on, I was on 60 milligrams, taking it every day, feeling shitty, uh, you know, feeling mundane. They knock you right out. Not very emotional one way or the other. And I started doing some research. A little bit later in the year, I started doing some research, and, and it wasn't until January. I got my January 2019. I remember, I got my hands on some, and 
I just started microdosing. I, I started taking a bit of mushrooms and um, started with about 0.2 of a gram and just, I took mushrooms a couple of times as a party or like, but I haven't done it many times, you know, just a couple of times, but I, so I, I wasn't too sure about it, but uh, I liked the way it felt and I, I could feel immediate difference and I could feel how it brightened up my day and it really puts you in a very clear present state, which is unlike I've ever felt anything before. And so I, later on in March, I said, okay, well, I went to the doctor. I said, I want to get off antidepressants. He said, well, they don't make a 15 or a 10 milligram. And I said, well, you didn't fucking tell me that when I got put on these things. Like, how do I get off? She's like, well, take it one day and we'll take it the next day and then take it one day. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Like, that's and, then buy, and then buy a gun and yeah. put it in your mouth. Yeah, like, right? that's really good. Cool? I just said, fuck it. I got a bag of mushrooms from a guy I knew and I just started hammering those things, man. I mixed them with my bacon and eggs. <laughs> I, I, was, I was eating about a gram and a half a day. Wow. Uh, by the time I and that's like so a point two microdose you can think about that that's fucking twenty times that in a day and <laughs> so I'm scarfing these mushrooms just to get rid of the zaps right and it was quite the process and I've documented it all but I haven't shared it all because of course with the government what kind of shit you're going to get into these days but it's also some great footage that I have to have to share um, so then I was into it man I, I fucking you know, I learned to grow my own mushrooms, and I got some kits, and uh, and I've I've probably helped uh, thirty different people get onto microdosing and and start their journey and start understanding uh, uh, where it takes you mentally. Um, the best way I can describe it, it gets out of, it gets you out of your default mode network. Yeah. So you can think about it as a a, um, a ski hill. And your brain's like a ski hole and all your problems are already prescribed in. They're all carved out. So when you go to try to make a decision in your life, no matter if you try to go left, right, it always goes back into the same one because our brains our brains just go based on all our decisions that have happened our whole life. We just tend to go to one. So still the side one's like a it fresh is. blanket of snow on the field. It eliminates so, the ego. Like, oh, you, you can pick your way through things and you get in what's – Called a flow state, and if if you haven't tried, have you tried it golfing yet, man? Have you have you used the mushrooms golfing? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Working giving them to guys, everything. and they're dropping like four or five strokes off their game. Um, <laughs> Seriously, I'm not, I'm not shitting, man. I, the the focus because you're so present, right? And and that's why it's such a good medication for anxiety and depression. Because you know, anxiety is worrying about the future, and depression is worrying about the past. So. Um, yeah, I, I took them today. I take them with uh, lion's mane mushroom, which also helps uh, regrow the uh, myelin sheath in your spinal cord. Uh, mushrooms are an amazing thing. You know, they they're, uh, they cover our whole world in different ways. Psilocybin, there's 200 different varieties of psilocybin. Um, I also messed around with microdosing with LSD as well. Um, it, it was a more interesting one. It was a super hyper laser-focused kind of uh, one, it didn't agree with my spinal cord injury, though. It made my spasms a lot worse and harder to deal with. So I had to stop that. Uh, I've tried that. I've played around with uh, with DMT and uh, a few different other ones just to, just to learn, man. I think the medical industry, uh, you know, the, the war on drugs and everything, I don't want to get too far into it, but they've been hiding a lot of powerful shit from us. And because the, the mind, you know, to free the mind and, look into the unconscious and the consciousness of it and uh 
there's a lot there, man. And our body, our body and our mind, we have CBD and THC receptors and we have our brains produce DMT, right? It derives from uh, a a tree and all the other side of the world. But uh, yeah, I learned some interesting things. I might, you know, I go too far, but it's, uh, you'll see people, I mean, we, there's, stocks trading right now that are all about psilocybin and mushrooms and lsd research so you'll see that you can mark my mark this down a little piece of paper it's stocks below the buck right now maybe i'll share them at a later date but it's especially after this uh pandemic you know a lot of people are going to be going through mental health issues unfortunately i see there's a lot of people overdosing down on these sides i see there's a lot of people taking their own lives and uh and this is a great medicine man and i and i wouldn't i wouldn't and promoted and talked about it. I've been through it and I and I have been through it and I've been in the shittiest parts of, of life I, I guarantee I could I could fucking hack it up with most of them in terms of being on the edge of death and coming through it and seeing the other side of it but uh, I still have dark and shitty days don't get me wrong and uh, but I, I don't take the psilocybin every day now I'm not dependent on it I I do take it when I'm you know feeling a bit down I need to go through a little bit of a, a lighter side of things but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I couldn't, uh, I can't say enough about it in terms of something that grows out of cow shit. Um, and it's no doctor trying to jam it down your throat, right? And I can tell you how to get on it and get off of it. And uh, most people, I what I do is I teach them how to grow it themselves, and then they can just grow their own medicine. And that's actually you can actually be a mycologist in Canada, and uh, ain't nobody can say shit to you about it. So exactly, I think any safe way that you can take to get off SSRIs is the best way best thing you can do and you know you, you can talk about a lot of inspirational things and there's a lot of inspirational things that we are taking from this conversation but you know what there's a lot of people not just in Canada not just North America that have been seriously addicted to something like that for a lot of their lives and if they can find a way off of that like a healthy option they should take note of that definitely so good on you dude what has it done for your creativity yeah there's there's like a Oh, sorry, bro. Oh, man, I think that's what you're seeing in the background here. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that, dog. We got to touch on that in the uh, charity you're, you're committed to helping with that. Yeah, so I'm, I've, uh, mushrooms are excellent for creativity um, <laughs> and, and, and flow states. Um, yeah, the mushrooms have been great for creativity. I, uh, I went, uh, I've taken on doing some sculpting work and I've, I've started a pottery business now. I've, like I said, from the taxidermy, I've uh, I've liked working with my hands, and I realized with pottery, you know, I can take a hunk of clay and turn it into a piece of art and sell it. And you know, when you can take mud and turn it into a profit as a businessman, I think that that's a pretty good uh, business. And Model. the mud yeah. the mud's pretty cheap, and mm-hmm. the clay's pretty cheap. So uh, I think it gives me the opportunity to uh, do things on my own scale, on my own term, but. Behind me, this is the Chinese uh, whistleblower, Dr. Uh, Li Wen Lang, and he was the first to report um, the COVID or the strange uh, pneumonia-like disease in the Wuhan province. Um, so there was a, I did a lot of research during this whole thing about, about COVID and how it all came about. And, um, you know, the Chinese, you know, they covered it up. A lot of people are talking about how they covered it up for a certain amount of days. And, and, you know, how it really, it's, it didn't spread in the country of China, but it spread around the world. Like, how, how is it possible that it happened like that? So, um, I'm, 
I'm, I did that. I did this sculpture to honor that doctor who was uh, the, the one to speak out about it. And uh, a lot of other artists were doing drawings and uh, paintings of, of doctors and nurses. So, yeah, I took on that one. And then, you know, it was coming along and I thought, what can I do to honor this longer? And, uh, and yeah, so I, I set out a GoFundMe to, uh, to raise the money to, uh, um, to get that, that sculpture to this, to the point of getting a bronze done. It's got to get, it's got to get sent all the way down to Salt Spring Island actually, which is like, oh, really? I don't have to be two, two days driving to get it down there. But, uh, Maybe we can share the link for the GoFundMe on, on this down below. Mm-hmm. But hopefully we'll get to that point. And then my goal is to donate half of the money to his family if I can. If I can, I'll donate. Uh, I'll be donating the other half for sure to my uh, my favorite charity is Be the Love. And uh, and if I don't raise the money for the GoFundMe, all the money will be going to Be the Love. So that's uh, it. Used to be called Hope Africa. It's uh, it's the same. It's the same money that uh, we raised for the uh, Stranahan Golf Tournament every year. Um, my my cousin Katie Streeper has been a, a you know one of the main founders of it, and uh, it's been a passionate for me. I've uh, I was on the board of directors for five years. My mom was on the board of directors. We uh, you know we had about over seventy one kids in the orphanage at one time, uh, aged from six months old up to about seventeen. So. It was a, it was a very big uh, big task to learn how to manage the the people and the and the payroll and everything over there and so I so I learned right off the hop I was you know I did you know selling hats and water bottles and shirts and anything I could to try to raise money and I I think I really learned about giving back there you know I what empathy really does for you when you you give when we we do have so much to give you know we're very fortunate in the Western world to, to have the abundance of what we have. And it, it only takes, if we all just shared a little bit, I think people are like, Oh, world hunger and everything else. But if we all just shared a little bit, like if we didn't, if we realized how much we scraped off our plates and if we could just figure out how not to scrape our plates in the garbage. I think that would be enough to save the world. Like, uh, you know, we waste 30% of our groceries and throw like 25% of their groceries that they bring in. So, we got to find a smarter way, but I, I seen it, man. I seen the worst of the conditions. Uh, my mom traveled over there twice. Um, my cousin Katie got robbed at, you know, AK seven point one time when she was sleeping. Um, but we just kept grinding. She just keeps going over and been an absolute angel for those people over there. So that's why I try to contribute to that. And that's why hopefully I can get this funded and, uh, and that's just to start, right. I've got a few other projects on the go and, uh, with the pottery business and, and getting a kiln, I'll be able to do a few more interesting projects. And when you have a kiln, you can you can fire everything and then color it. And, and uh, but you need the proper equipment to do all that. So I'm right in the 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 middle of negotiating with the guy about shipping one out of Manitoba. So he's getting the shrewd business tanner side right now. So we'll see what uh, we'll see if he comes down with the price. Not uh, we'll we'll go from there. But I'm just kind of working my way into it and. Um, there's a guy I want to give a shout out. His name's Mark with the strong arm pottery tool. Um, he invented a, a contraption where it's like a, a, an arm that comes across for centering all the clay and opening it up. So for me, being in a wheelchair, being wobbly, it's going to help me uh, build projects more accurately and faster because it'll be more accurate. So he actually uh, 
he donated one and sent me one out. So I appreciate that. Uh, Shout out. He's, uh, yeah, he's good shit. So uh, I'm excited to put up some, uh, like I said, I'll do a lot of one-off stuff, one-off pieces with different designs and I'm not really trying to get into your dinner plate and I'm not a kind of guy. I won't be able to bust out eight hours a day on that. Right. You gotta be in the wheelchair taking breaks and stuff like that. So I think that's a really good decision. And honestly, whatever, uh, information you have to send our way, just send it over and we'll definitely promote it through all of our channels and we'll get it going for you. For sure. Last but not least, dog, let's talk about golf and let's talk about this golf cart that you're going to invent and, and, Take it easier on everyone's wallets down the road here for para golfers or handicapped golfers at some yeah, capacity. Yeah, so this the company that has one right now. I sent Parksy a couple pictures there, but it's called the Para Golfer, and uh, you know the the, the I, there's a company or a foundation called the Stand Up and Play Organization, which I'm a I, I'm a member of, and I I want to shout them out because they're trying to advance golf for people with disabilities, uh, people with paralysis, people with spina bifida, people who can't get out and walk the full course. But uh, it's a steep, uh, it's a steep price, right? It's coming. like a, It's like buying a, a Mercedes or a BMW from Germany. It comes with about a $36,000 price tag. So um, it's just unrealistic to be able to, unless you have insurance or some sort of crazy insurance for your injury, but I don't even know how I would raise money. I thought about writing to like Spieth and Tiger Woods and a few of the other boys and being like, Hey boys, fucking, you know, let's split this thing four ways and fucking get me on one of these. Cause other than that, how do you come up with that kind of loot? Right. When that's like, you won't make that money three years as my wages. So, um, what I'm, what I'm looking at right now is I, I have a, I have a standing uh, white wheel, like a, a a manual wheelchair that you pump with your arms to stand up. And it was about six grand, and I know you can get a used golf cart for about five grand. And so I'm figuring out right now how to amalgamate the two <laughs> and just get rid of all the other bullshit, right? Like I could literally put it on a plate or a pan off the golf cart and you know have a wheel underneath of it and then just rally around like that have someone else drive but i've uh, sent a few emails uh if you guys got any contacts i got one contact at club car or yamaha or anybody like that like i think in the world like right now when we're talking about um inclusion and and, and adaptability and uh and, and including everybody like so for example i know it's a hard pitch i know i my friend Tanelle Bolt, she works for the Rad Adaptive Society in BC, and she's she's a big person behind pushing uh, uh, golf for people with paralysis and inclusion for all. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm not I'm not here to you know shit on the para golfer or give them any trouble. I'm just trying to say that we we, we have to look at something that's more affordable. Because how do we how do we go and ask golf courses to have one of these in their lineup if it's thirty six thousand? So I was just I was just interrupting Tanner here. We we're just talking about I was working for the city golf courses in Edmonton for a long time, and they were mandated to have like disability accessibility, and they had these carts, these stand-up carts. We had one at the range and one at the clubhouse. But I'm sure writing to Golf Canada and writing to the city, writing to PGA of Canada or PGA of BC, there's got to be a way for us to. So to I have I, I have this. a contact for this. So there, oh, were, there used to be a member of Belvedere, Braden Hirsch. 
He was. Have you ever heard of this guy, Tanner? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. He is paralyzed from the waist down, and he had a buggy, and it was like a single seater buggy, and you could just pull up to the ball and just swing out. It wasn't power yep. or anything. You could swing Swivel. out. He's strapped in, and I mean, he kept it there. I'm pretty so sure there, this thing was not thirty six thousand dollars, and I'm pretty sure he knows two. exactly there's where to two. find that, it. That was called a that was called a solo rider. Yeah, I sent part of the picture of that that chair just swings out. It's like a little a little unit. It's more narrow, but it doesn't have the ability to block your knees, and that's what you need as uh, someone with paralysis. So you, if you had that unit with a knee blocker, that's what I'm thinking. Like all we need like is a small design group yes. like mm-hmm. to throw that on there and slap it together. Like I I don't know a lot of contacts and engineers and shit, but I'm. I'm smart enough to know that it doesn't fucking cost that much to solve this problem. Well, I can shoot out an email to the to them at Belvedere, and I can see if he's still around. And if or either way, I can find that email. Yeah, and, and I'll send some emails out too, man. I, I'm sure there's ten or twenty people I could shoot emails to, and maybe, yeah. like you said, maybe there's a way for us to get PGA Tour or somebody involved or somebody else involved. 3D I print a prototype. I think the best thing to do would to be to try to reach out to a manufacturer, somebody to build it. And then and then build it and then and then work on making it also mandatory and sell them because there's a lot of aging population in the world too, right? So there's a <laughs> lot of people that are are getting harder to walk and mobility around and uh, so you you have to you have to remember that uh, that can help them too because it stands yeah. them up and it supports them to hit the golf ball. So like I said, that's why I'm you know trying to take this on and other things on and I. I know that it's a big fight, man. It's a big fight to stand up for not only myself uh, or stand, you know, but for other people with disabilities. So if I can, if I can get the ball rolling in this and work with some guys like you in the golf industry, and uh, you got to think like I'm not trying to give you the song and dance, but no, to man. not get not oh, get out, me out to not get out there and be able to stand up on the tee and and rip one down the driveway or down the drives because it's fairway uh, because it's costing you. It can cost you thirty forty k. Fuck, not inclusive, man. So, no. um, if you oh. guys are looking to, to get involved with something cool, I definitely take some good partners on the on the project, and Might we be a can good start project something. for our friends over at Therabody to jump in on. Yeah, this yeah. is right up their alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah mate, that's another time. thing, right? Yeah, Tom, I you want to talk about that? Part of, yeah. I even thought about it going as far as like you know Tesla or somebody who can. You can do a, a, a electric card or yeah. even club, club, car just, club car just made this fucking little versatile walk behind thing. Did you see it? Yeah. Their new little power caddy club car came up with. So, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not far off of being able to get it done. The, the, the German paragolfer one is because it's medical grade and it's rated for the U S German uh, medical FDA and all that shit. It has to be of this, of this higher quality and I and don't get me wrong I don't know all the aspects of it but I do know that like I said the medical industry charges way more for everything man and uh what Tesla, about man fuck you don't get Jason Ellis unless you email him so yeah, you don't get yeah. Ellis unless shoot. you email him no, do you have no, a, like man. a shoot him message a, like a sketch or anything that is like this is what I would like like it doesn't have to be engineer grade tech pack style <laughs> But like, I'm on the fence. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to understand why right now. Like I'm not the best drawer, but I want to make sure that I. The other one doesn't have really wide enough wheels. I want a big, bigger enough, wider wheel, like almost like a fat bob, more motorbike, so yeah. you're not leaving yeah. any compression on the greens. 
and some more wheels underneath to disperse the weight. So yeah. I've got an idea what it's going to look like, but I'd have to, uh, I think I'll use the clay and yeah. I think I might just model it. That's I might exactly just build. What you should do. Yeah. yeah. Dude, like I have a power chair. I don't know. I have a standing chair right over, or just a power chair right over there and it, it wheels around and that's what I usually go. Um, I usually go golfing in and this is, I don't know how well this is going to show up, but this is, this is yes, the one. That's oh, exactly yeah. what one has. Your buddy might've had. This yeah, is yeah. called the, this is called the solo golfer. And it's about, it was running about six or seven grand when it first came out. And then this one, look at this unit. Oh God. Good thing that didn't go the other mm -hmm. way. <laughs> <laughs> Just break Just the internet. Yeah. Bunch of Bunch oh, of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the that's the unit there. That's oh, that one looks wow. pretty high end. So the other one, the other one looks like the one we had at the golf course at the city golf course. Yeah. So just imagine, just imagine that you could take you could take this unit and slap my awesome standing chair um, contraption into, which I'm going to show you here real quick. Um, yeah, so then you use you use a, a cheaper a cheaper model of the of all the parts, man, and just make it more accessible for people to have an opportunity to get out there and play the game of golf. Like that's what uh, that's what it's all about. So that's my standing chair there. That's okay. one, that's the one I played. Uh, that's the one I paid about uh, yeah six grand for. I wonder how long it would take to three D print a prototype. Not that long, man. There's so many smart minds out there too, right? Like, and I got a. I have to send a video later. I got a video of me fucking hitting the driver. Fuck the mines, man. Home. There's cash out there, and we're gonna fucking find that for you. Is what we're gonna do. Like, yeah, I know. There you go, man. It's easier to get the cash than get the mind. Oh yeah. Here, look at. What can you see? This. I shit? saw this, man. This is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Here's the. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I saw That's another strong. guy swinging with one arm this week. Is that a chance? Yeah. That's yeah. my bro. Yeah, he's yeah. eating it up for me. He's a fucking beauty. That's awesome. Good for you, dude, for getting out there and just banging it. Yeah, nice. so that's uh, that's what it takes, right? But that wheelchair there would be good, but it's got little tiny skinny wheels, and you can't get around the golf course and in the grass and all that shit. So yeah. my brain's thinking about how to how to do it and like. Like I said, there's this uh, there's this chair there's this chair that I have right now. It's just a power chair. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like uh, and, and but it has like for other models that have a full standing capability that are about eleven thousand. So I just don't understand why I can't mix that in there somehow and make that the golfing unit you know it's i don't think we're far off i don't think it's not like how do you make the wheel boys i fucking can't figure out yeah it's square right how do you now. make fire now they're just like we program and, and it does it takes a guy like me to say hey let's get our shit together yeah. right yeah maybe exactly. so you got the That's chair that up, you man. just push around and it stands you up and you're like okay i'm ready to hit the ball yeah boom yeah. back and moving i like that well bro it's been a pleasure having you on the show tonight. And yeah. you know what? You've given us a little bit of a project to go after. So Yeah, that's maybe, gonna be I was hoping I could we can work together on. I was hoping I could, man. You know it's uh For sure, bro. For I think sure. I think that's the one thing too about, you know, having buddies with disabilities that it's it's good to 
you know, once I speak up and you guys are like, hey, you know, this is something cool to be getting involved with. And, and I, don't have, I don't have as many contacts in the golf industry anymore. And uh, maybe if we can come together and project up and put our heads together, right? It's, Absolutely. We would love any to minds, let make light work. And, uh, you know, I've still got to still focus on some, some other part of my life like we all do. But I'd like to continue the conversation. I don't know. Uh, exactly what i'll what i wanted the design to look like but i know it's going to be lighter and cheaper and faster than than everything else and uh yeah hopefully we'll you know one day maybe in 10 years or whatever we'll see them at every golf course in uh in north america right you got you got to admit like in or in sooner america, or sooner man yeah in north america there's a lot of golf courses and there's uh there's a lot of people that could use them and uh it's, it's about, a big industry. It's about inclusion, and there's a lot of money in that industry. You oh, know? yeah. Fucking right. Uh, you know, it's a we're, much We're going to focus cost. on you, though, first as well, and we're going to try and get everyth- find everything we can to get you out on the course with us and start swinging the hammers. And But where can people reach out? Like, if, do you have the GoFundMe page still up? Can they still get onto that? Yeah, I do. I have the GoFundMe page still up. Um, I, I have it... Uh, I have it on my, my Facebook. I have to shoot it over you guys. Yeah, yeah we'll, sure. We'll send it up on our on our socials. We can do that. And then my, my Instagram, yes, I just at Tanner Widden, and feel free to follow along. And thanks for having me on the show, boys. It's Man, uh, it a pleasure. It's an honor to come on and uh, and talk about it a bit. And I haven't, I've done some some of talking about it, but uh, yeah, I appreciate the platform and I appreciate the uh, the support to. Uh, you know, involved, get involved with this. Of course, awesome, man. Dude. We appreciate you coming on. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, Tanner. It's like, a, it's, it's I just de- want definitely a story that needs to be shared. Yeah, like story time. I've been out. Just really, like, yeah, it's interesting. Like, we're on a podcast, but like, it's interesting how there are times to talk, and then there's times to just listen. And today was kind of one of those days where it's like, yeah, just let's listen to your journey and and pull the inspiration from it. And it's it's pretty powerful stuff. And I hope that. uh yeah, everyone that listens to this podcast kind of wakes up in the morning the next day feeling a little better and more appreciative of what they've got going on because I know I will tomorrow for sure. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing I I want to you never I want to you know you never know what you got until it's not there anymore. And and spinal cord injuries happen from slipping down the stairs to getting hit by a drunk driver to having anything happen to you. But uh, I think that's it. You know, I think if uh, one thing I can. I can, you know, help people with is that, uh, you know, just to appreciate life because it's, it's super valuable. And, uh, you know, when you're out there fighting for it, it's, uh, it's, you know, mine's just the same worth as everybody else's. So it's, uh, for sure, bro. Definitely. But Word. yeah, thanks guys. I, I do. I appreciate the, the chance of coming on here and, uh, yeah. Thanks for course, sharing man. your story, man. Thanks for being on to the Therabody wheelchair stand up golf abilities. That's like, Tomorrow I'm coming man. in hot on that for sure. Man, we'll, we'll just get the foundation started is all we got to do, and then away we go. We're right? on it, man. We're we'll on with that for sure. So we'll, we'll talk more, boys. Have a good night. Definitely. Thank you, Thank you Tanner, for okay, coming doggy. on. Thanks, YouTube, man. Brother. Appreciate right. it. Be well. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Right. Cheers. Hello, 4Jack Podcast fam. It's your boy, Actor of Nation, and thank you for listening to the 4Jack Podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us if you could go hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. You know what? Because that would really make our day. Thank you, and let's keep on golfing, baby. I kind of like that last one. Okay. Then we're good. Cut it.